This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Me fail English? That's impossible. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and wait, wait, Joe's not here. Where is he? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 my bad, my bad, I forgot. Uh, Today, Joe's live on the floor of the Podcast Movement Conference. Joe's mom told Joe to get out of the basement and go make some new friends, so I let him borrow the old El Camino, and he drove it down the road to pick up some special guests for a very special roundtable. Today, we welcome the co-host of Bigger Pockets Money, Mindy Jensen, plus the creator of My Millennial Money, Glenn James. And last but not least, the host of the Military Money Show, my favorite, Lacey Langford. And now, live from Orlando, Florida, here he comes, Joe Salciha. And welcome to our very special Podcast Movement 2019 show. Every year, I like to do this. How long has it been? Maybe this is year number five, uh, maybe even six, that we have done a live show. Of course, not only do we have a lot of podcasters from the FinCon Nerd Table that are here, there are podcasters all over the place. I'm recording this right now from my hotel room at the conference hotel in Orlando, because why wouldn't you have a conference in Orlando, Florida? In fact, Guy Raz from the show, How I Built This, was there, and uh, he said... A conference in Orlando in August. Of course, that means that the next podcast movement is going to be in Winnipeg in February. So, because of course, that's exactly what you do. Hey, today's show is uh, brought to you by Acre Trader. Thanks to Acre Trader for supporting Stacky Benjamins. For more information on how to become a farmland investor through Acre Trader, head to acretrader.com forward slash SB. We'll talk about them a little bit more in the middle of the show. But for now, let's head down to the floor of Podcast Movement, where we're gathering this year's panel to talk about what are listeners worried about? What types of things are these different communities writing podcasters about? Let's get the heartbeat from the FinCon booth at Podcast Movement Central right now. And we are here live from the floor of Podcast Movement 2019. And I'm so excited, like every year, I think this is the fifth year in a row, we've done a roundtable live from Podcast Movement. And you know what Podcast Movement means 
We have financial nerd podcasters with us, some of my favorite people. Let's start with From the Military Money Show. My good friend Lacey Langford's here. Thank you for having me. This is my first one. Your first roundtable? My first roundtable and my first podcast movement. What do you think about podcast movement so far? It's legit. It's legit. I've had a lot of great sessions that I've gone to and met a lot of cool people and it's got a good vibe going. Well, speaking of good vibe, your show's got a very good vibe. So tell everybody about the Military Money Show. Yes, it's a podcast helping everybody in the military community, military spouses, service members, and veterans how to make, save, or invest money wisely. And not her first podcast movement, and not her first time on this roundtable. She was here last year on this podcast movement roundtable. It's our good friend Mindy Jensen for Bigger Pockets Money. Thanks for having me, Joe, and thanks for letting me come back. I really enjoy talking to you all the time. I thought we'd podcast and chill. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, maybe later, Joe. <laughs> take that out, Steve. <laughs> Don't take that out. That's hilarious. That'll lead into the end. I know. There's a hashtag me too waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there might be a story behind that, guys. Uh, so, Mindy, for the three people who don't know about the Bigger Pockets Money Show, what do you and Scott do? Scott and I interview people who either have a really interesting money story on their journey to financial independence, or we interview somebody who has a tip or trick for somebody who is listening who is on their journey to financial independence. And you guys do something really cool. You not only have a lot of fun, you guys go pretty in-depth with your guests, too. Uh, yeah, we want to get their money background, and then we want to see what they're doing now to you know, further themselves down the path and finally reach financial independence so they can live the life that they want. I really felt like when I was a guest on your show, Scott was trying to make me cry. Is that true? <laughs> Is that what he's trying to do? No, Scott loves you. Well, I love Scott too, but that's a whole different show. <laughs> and a guy who came halfway around the world to be on this podcast from my millennial money all the way from Australia. It's our good friend, Glenn James. G'day. How are you? <laughs> nice. Lay it on, brother. Lay it on. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Well, I'm glad you could do it. So tell everybody about your show. Yeah, so I wanted to create a podcast about personal finance that made money fun and engaging and not boring. There is so much need for financial literacy, help, encouragement in everybody's lives. Yeah. And I thought the best shot I've got is getting in young millennials before they set the bad habits <laughs> and to try and... Uh, correct the course and yeah, encourage people along the way. Now, you and I were having a discussion in an Uber uh, yesterday. You were telling me that podcasting isn't like we see here, where we've got Spotify right across from us, we've got Google there. It's much more in its infancy in uh, Australia. Yeah, so podcasting, it, it has been around for a few years in Australia, but you really had to be you know, a podcast freak, I call them. Like, you've really got to be over it. But it is now moving into mainstream. All the big outlets, media outlets are getting into podcasting. All the big TV shows are doing spin-off podcasts. It's just the start of something big in Australia. Uh, and this is why I come up to podcast movement and FinCon is because we just don't have that community down there. And like I like to say, I like to get off the island to get some encouragement. <laughs> that's an awfully big island. It's a big island. It's about the size of your landmass. About the size, yeah, that's right. Are you talking about me personally? Yeah. Was, was that a bad joke? Yeah. Is that what you're doing here? Anyway. Like, very awkward. Yeah. Uh, you, you've only been here like five minutes and already, no. I'm behaving. I that's you are. I am. I'm so I surprised. That's not like Lacey. Uh, but, but let's stick with you, Lacey. So what, what I like to do here every year, guys, is because we have lots of different points of view, lots of different shows here represented. I'd like to talk about your audience and do the annual podcast movement checkup on what are people worried about? Because I found the last five years we've done this, people are worried about different things as the economy changes. So Lacey, we'll start with you. What kind of feedback are you getting from your audience about their money concerns? I think for the military community, a big concern is finding financial stability because of the constant moving the transitions, whether it be they're moving to a new duty station, they're deploying to the Middle East, they're going to schools. This constant moving is, one, confusing to their finances, but also it impacts their spouse's employment. So that's another issue is their un- and underemployment within the spouse community, which impacts their overall financial wellness as the family. So I think that is something that's top of mind for them is a way to kind of 
identify it and fix that problem and keep it the same because it's, it's not going to go away. It's going to continue to happen. I saw that not just in the military community, but also now in the larger world that the average person I was reading last week is going to have seven jobs during their career. And clearly, I think of something, Mindy, you're laughing, but I think of something like buying a house. Like buying a house isn't what it used to be, where you're going to buy a house to live in and live there for 30 years. There's a good chance you're not going to be in the same community very long. Uh, that is a true statement. I personally don't live in a house for more than five years in my whole life. I was not a military brat. I was a corporate brat. But You got a suitcase next to the bed? Yeah, <laughs> just about. I've moved every two to three years for the last, I don't know, 20. Not um, sure if this uh, marriage thing with Mr. 1500 is going to work. <laughs> no, is he that comes the deal? with me. <laughs> That's good. But you've had how many houses? We live in Flip. When we are buying a house, we look for a really ugly house. We move in, we make it look better, and then we sell it. So we've had eight, nine houses since we've been married for almost 18 wow. years. Has it always been profitable, the Flip? It has always been profitable. Just a couple of them have not been as profitable as I had hoped. Sure, sure. Yeah. I want to ask if that's a U.S. trend, Glenn, or is that also the trend in Australia where there's no more 30 and out people having a much, much shorter career span? It's more becoming brand you. Yeah, it's funny you say that about the home ownership with the correlation between employment. One of the big questions we get asked from young millennials is they've got so much pressure from their parents to buy a house, get established, blah, 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 where the reality is it's a different world than the boomers. Are you a boomer? No. No, you're ex. Easy. Hey. Good fat joke and then old guy. <laughs> so, so my listeners, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of pressure to do what a previous generation has done, and that's just not where the world is right now. So we're having the discussions all the time, and the term in Australia is called rent vest. So we rent somewhere and do our investing elsewhere uh. to grow our wealth. And in terms of the flipping the property... We just can't do that because of the, the cost of property. I mean, an entry-level home in suburbia would be 450000 Australian. The math doesn't work as well. Yeah, it's just it's too heavy to carry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I want to go back, Lacey, to the second thing you said, which was about the spouse, because we often think about the person who's in the military, but the spouse keeping a job when they're moving from place to place and don't know when they're going to move again next, that's a huge problem I hadn't considered. Yes, it, it causes a lot of um, marital stress, also financial stress, and it also impacts the service member's career because if your spouse is not happy that they're moving all the time and they can't have a job or make the money that they want, they're not going to want you to stay in the military. So it's really Department of Defense-wide important for it to be solved because it's going to affect retention for the military. A lot of people want to be entrepreneurial. Does that mean the military spouse probably should be entrepreneurial so they can work from anywhere? Yes, that's actually how my business started. I wanted to be a financial planner. I wanted to help people with their money. But when your husband's gone for a year, every other year, I just couldn't have that type of employment that I wanted. And so I created a business that was PCS proof or portable that I could take with me. And that is a big driver now is military spouses and also service members are moving into entrepreneurship because it really works well with their military life. Do you get much, Mindy, of a drive toward entrepreneurship letters from your, uh, from your, your following? I get a lot of people who are excited to become financially independent so they can start a business where they don't have to rely on the income at first because, you know, when it, it can be really scary to start your own company oh, I couldn't do that. I can't pay my mortgage. Well, now that I'm financially independent, I don't have to worry about the money so I can follow my passion. And that I think that makes you a better entrepreneur when you're doing something that you love yeah. just because you love it. Do you find them starting it now or are they waiting till they're financially independent to start it? I find a lot of people are waiting until they're more closer, more, more closer. They be more closer. Until they be more closer. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Joe, for bringing out the English lover in me. Um, this show is sponsored by Grammarly. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, God, I hope so. I so hope so. Fingers crossed. If they're not, they're doing it now. Um, the closer you are to financial independence, the easier it is for you to start a company. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not quite to my number, but I'm really close and I hate my job or I've really burnt out of my position or whatever. So it's 
the closer you are, the easier it is, but you don't have to wait until you're all the way yeah. financially independent. But that's an interesting vein to explore because part of me says you should start earlier and get the groundwork laid, right? Get all of the, get all the foundation in place. But then I also think on the other hand, how many times have you seen somebody do that where they start a business they don't have time for, and by the time they do get time, they started it so long ago, the passion's completely gone. They're like, oh, I don't care anymore. Like, is it, which one do you do, the chicken or the egg? You know, there's a lot of things you can do in the beginning that won't change your passion for it. Like laying the groundwork, getting an LLC, starting the, the website and, you know, doing all of that kind yeah. of stuff. Don't work 40 hours a week at your day job and then come and put in 80 hours a week at your passion project because very quickly your passion project is going to turn into a slog. You know, get the groundwork started and do the little things that you can do, but don't go whole hog until you're, you know, a lot closer to actually being able to go whole hog. That's my own personal. Yeah, and I think it's um, sometimes people struggle with this. I'm really good at this, but I love that. So I want to do that. I say to people, do what you're really good at and make that fun and engaging. Because if you do something you're really good at, see, I'm really good at, I don't know, doing an online blog, for example. I love horse riding, but I can't make a business out of horse riding. So, <laughs> so I think we need to just, if you are looking at that transitional side hustle, there's so much stuff that you can do today that won't cost money in preparation. Write an online blog about horse riding. Oh. Ooh, now you've married them. your Damn. passion exactly. with what you're good at. Yeah. Drop the, we need to drop this mic. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna, it's expensive, so be careful. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Justin. Didn't mean to joke about the mic. <laughs> drop the mic. He's like, do not touch the mic. <laughs> He's like, stay away from the mic. Yes. We're using the FinCon booth equipment here at Podcast Movement, and Justin is looking at us very suspiciously as we look at him and we're laughing. On that note, you speak to a millennial audience. How many people are writing you about entrepreneurship? Yeah, a lot are. But even before the discussion about the entrepreneurship, there's so much confusion and noise. So if you're a 24-year-old person, you've left school, you've been to university, you're now in a job that you hate, and you have a student loan, for example. It's really hard to then start the entrepreneurship when you've got the, the bills and you, you may have started a young family or whatnot. So I'm actually trying to encourage people now with the entrepreneurship, hey, when you leave school, just do nothing for a couple of years. Go and work at a bar, go work at a coffee, go travel. Because what's happened with, and it's probably the same in American culture, society has moved 10 years. So for example... 30, 40 years ago, 65 years old was bloody old, okay? But now, 55 is the new 45. I thought you were saying, now 55 is bloody old. I'm no, like, no, dude, no. No, I'm, <laughs> three I'm, times. I'm giving you a bone here. So basically, the, the thing is, you've now got 30-year-olds living at home with mummy and daddy still. So everything's moved 10 years. 65 is now the lifestyle years. It's no longer retirement. So I'm okay to tell people to leave school, chill out, eat, pray, love, whatever, as long as you don't get pregnant, get someone else pregnant, go to jail or get on drugs, you'll have a good shot of finding your passion and doing it. And technology has made it so cheap to get started with a low barrier of entry. Dude, you just took the fun out of everything. I know. Sorry. <laughs> don't and, do any of those. And good night. <laughs> Mindy. Joe. What's your audience really worried about? My audience is worried about a pending recession. Everybody's talking, oh, there's a bubble. But if you look at the cycles, we are, you know, about here, which works great for radio, the video part, where, or the, I'm sorry, I called this radio. Look at how about, old I am. About here or here? Yes. That's okay. We always say we're taping a podcast. Yes, we are. It's like scotch taping a podcast? What are you talking about? Do you record Duck it on a record? It. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so in the, the waves, we're near the top of the cycle, which means that we are going to go down the hill. If you look at the indicators, like how long we have been in this upward motion, and I'm not predicting a recession, but you know all the indicators are there that we're about at the end of this cycle. So, But the funny thing is, so we do financial headlines. We had financial headlines four years ago that said that we were at the end of the cycle. 
Yes, yes, which is why I'm, and I cannot wait for four years from now when we're still at the top of the cycle for people to be like, oh, remember when you said this was going to happen four years ago? I'm not predicting one, but yes. I'm just saying all but these But that's what everybody's worried there, about. And that's what yes. everybody's worried about. Just, I mean, I hope we're all wrong, sort yes. of, but I kind of hope we're all right because all these housing prices are going crazy and I'd like a bargain. That's interesting. I want to talk about that, but I first want to talk about just this phenomenon because I don't think it's just the indicators. I think it's the financial media. Like in the papers here, Glenn, all I see is all I see is gloom and dooms around the corner. Gloom and, and it's so easy to write that now because the expansion's been so long. Do you guys have the same? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, at the time of this recording, uh, we've had two days of 2% loss on our market. So yeah. it is real. And it's funny. I don't know, like in my, because I'm a financial advisor by trade, for want of a better word, I've never timed the market with my clients. It's a buy and hold and, you know, we don't react. But I wonder, like in the States, if it is as bad as what, you know, the media says, are we selling down half of our portfolio to cash and just hedging our own bet? But the funny thing is, if you did that four years ago, like our friend who's said it a million times that he did it, Len Penzo on our show on Friday, has a wonderful blog. Our longtime listeners know Len. Len is like, man, I messed up because four years yeah, ago, there were all these cost, indicators. Yeah. yeah. And he's lost a huge upswing in the last four years. Yeah. And I think that's why you just do not look at your portfolio, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe once a year, have a peek. That's funny. Craig, I was at work the other day and Craig said, I said, oh, did you see the Dow was down a thousand points yesterday? He's like, no, I don't watch it. I didn't look at it. I'm like, that's brilliant. Who is it? I don't remember who said the people who have the best returns on the stock market are the dead people yes. who have like never touched their yeah, fidelity said that. fidelity showed oh, that with their 401k yeah. accounts yeah yeah dead people do the best because they don't touch their money like when, when when the beneficiary never never comes to claim the money well like i tell a lot of people if your financial planning strategy is boring it's the most amazing strategy you've got yeah <laughs> because you've removed yeah. yourself and your own poor behaviors from it that's got to create for your audience, Lacey, in the military, I think they already have this location anxiety. I mean, now you get a bumpy stock market or the threat of a bumpy stock market that makes people even more wary. Yes. And I think a lot of times they go into panic mode, which is unfortunate, but a lot of them are coming in at 18 years old. Hopefully they've started off right doing the thrift savings plan, which is the Department of Defense 401k, but they get a little big for their britches sometimes with a stable income. And that can... Um, you know, think, oh, well, I'll just go ahead and tweak it here a little bit. I'll tweak it here a little bit. And a lot of times, too, when they're changing jobs or get promoted, there's already that feeling that they should do something, change something when they shouldn't. They should probably just leave it. And when you throw kind of the market and then the, you know, chicken little, the sky is falling in there, yes. then there starts to be extra panic in there. So unfortunately, a lot of people do make mistakes and you should just kind of set it and forget it sometimes. Not forget it, but... A lot yeah. of your younger military listeners, because I know in Australia, for those listening, if you go out on deployment, you basically print money because you might be on a boat or a base and you might get an extra 90 grand a year that you can't spend because you're not doing anything. Have you got a lot of listeners that are cashed up or like, where is that at in the States here? Yes, they are definitely cashed up when they are on those deployments or away. But unfortunately, I call it this, um, I deserve it game is a pattern that I see constantly with service members and their spouses. So if you're the service member and you're gone for a year, you're like, I deserve a Dodge Charger when I get back. Yeah. You know, that's something I really deserve. And then the spouses at home, well, I deserve a really great trip when you come home because I've been stuck with the kids. So they do, they, they're building up probably $50,000 sometimes in that year. And instead of putting it into investments, unfortunately, they're earmarking it for a good time when they get back. Yeah, I don't think that's military only, though, because I see that with people that keep bad budgets. I mean, seriously, they're like, okay, I got to get tight with my budget. They're tight with their budget for two months. And they're like, you know what? We did great for two months. Let's buy a big screen TV because we deserve it. And then they buy it on credit and it all starts again. So maybe same thing. No, I was going to say that is a good point that it's not specific to the military, but, yeah. but it is a game. And if you both aren't on the same page, it's going to have a bigger financial impact too if you do it that way. I, sure. I think the biggest risk uh, to one's financial life outside of the economy is your own personal lifestyle inflation. Like it's, you might not be in the military listening right now, but you might have had a pay rise over the last 10 years. Like the cost for you to exist each year shouldn't be rapidly increasing once yeah. you get to a critical mass of earnings. So I think that's the, that's the deadly sleeper in 
someone's life, and that's that lifestyle inflation. You're getting people's stories, Mindy, all the time. Every show, you've got a different person's story. How often is this stuff that we're talking about right now part of the story? I thought that I deserved it, so I went and bought something I couldn't afford, created this cascading problem, yada, yada, yada. I think we're on episode 84, so 84 times. Every time. Every time. Not every time, but just about every time. There's been a couple of people who were like, oh, I've been great with money forever. And that's awesome. That's, it's nice to share that story. Yeah, too, but I but, hate those people. Well, okay. I'm sorry, Joe, that you're such a mean person. Um, I'm more accepting, clearly. But yeah, no, that is very no prevalent. And, and frankly, when uh, we have four questions we ask at the end of every show. What was your biggest money mistake is one of them. And I don't know, 60, 70, 90, 112% of the time they say it was because I bought a car. I bought a brand new car. Yes. And I didn't pay cash for it. I financed it at you know an interest rate. I bought a brand new car in 2010 and I financed it at an interest rate of 0%. He's like, how much do you want to put down? Uh, as little as possible because it's a 0% loan. Yeah. But I shouldn't have bought the brand new car. It was a silly purchase. But isn't it free money? <laughs> well, it was a free loan. <laughs> yes. It's, like, Ta-da! Yeah. it's magic. Yeah. We just make it up in the back end because you paid five grand more for the car. That's yeah. Right. That's right. Working with, with millennials. Yeah. You see that millennials do so, we, we do so many stories that show millennials doing so many things right with their money doing so many things right. And yet this idea of I deserve it is something that we often hear as part of the, of the millennial story, right? It's the knock on millennials you always hear. In real life, with your practice and with your listeners, how much do you see that? I think there's broadly three categories. You know, you're terrible with money, you're getting by, or you're killing it. And that kind of behavior happens throughout every person. Like it's the common denominator, like we're all humans with behavior. But the big thing that I see with the millennials, some of them, it's not the, and maybe it is that I deserve it, but they'll write into the to the podcast and say, oh, I want to buy a house, I want to buy a car, we've got 10 grand in debt, we've got a wedding next June, we've got this, they want to do 50 things at once. Yeah. And it's just, as Homer Simpson would say, impossible. So we... <laughs> That's we, actually Ralph Wiggin, but anyway. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yes. I know, but bring the right Simpsons reference. Sorry. Sorry. We only just got the Simpsons on the island. So. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. Me fail English. That's yes, impossible. That's right. Yeah. Ralph. Yeah. yeah. So, I think it's just setting expectations that you may have grown up with your tablet and clicking everything, I'll get it at once, I'll do this, do that. It doesn't translate to real life. I interviewed a young lady the other day. She was only 21 years old and she already had $30,000 of personal loan debt, payday mm. loans. And it wasn't the, I purchased a new car, I purchased a new lounge. It was just a symptom of poor management and looking at the now yeah. and not the future. And she literally just systematically spent more than what she earned and it finally caught up with her. Yeah becomes a slippery slope and then all of a sudden you're riding downhill yeah. really fast so it's all that to say I, I would definitely say pick your battles like you can realistically and there's some things like your yourself and your listeners they might be and me personally i don't save for 15 things at once i hit one thing hit it move on i'd recommend that and if you've got a spouse both write a list of the three things order them in priority and then, okay, it's your turn for that yeah. goal. Now it's my turn. And it's a bit of a team effort. It's funny what a great message that is. We heard that yesterday, too, from, I don't know if you were in the, were you in the keynote speakers yesterday? No, I had a meeting, yeah. Patrice Washington said that very thing. Really? Which, uh, Patrice Washington, a phenomenal podcast about the soul of money, I guess, and, and financial wellness, much more than the numbers. Patrice, though, said, don't do a thousand things one time or a million things one time do one thing a million times which I think is such a better way to go mm. yeah good stuff yeah. Uh, stock market you brought up we're at the top of the stock market we've I had I did not say we're at the top you said top. that your listeners are worried I that we're at the top that we are worried about a recession. A recession. Yes. Because all of the indicators are showing that we are near the top. Yes. Nice. Thank you. Yes. Well, we got that for the clear for the clarification. <laughs> Remind me never to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> got tense for a moment there. 
Mindy said there was going to be a crash. <laughs> Tomorrow. And it didn't happen. But we have had two days of uh, wiggliness, to put it not very bluntly, but um, much more fun than it really is the last couple days as we record this. Maybe by the time this comes out, it's worse. Maybe it's better. We don't know. Lacey, are you worried? No. I'm not the kind type of person to panic. No? Yeah, I think you have to keep a level head. That's just like... I don't want to run around like this guy is falling. I think, you know, I have systems in place and prepare and have a financial fallback position. And I know my goals. So when it gets a little um, near change, then I kind of look to what is most important to me. Mindy, you're in the real estate universe. This is what worries me about recessions in real estate. As you know, a lot of people in real estate use leverage. Because they use leverage, that makes a lot of vocal winners when things go well. Everybody's like, do real estate because it rocks because you can leverage your money. Real estate also flushes the toilet really hard when the market goes bad, right? If it doesn't, real estate always go up. (laughs) (laughs) Up to the right. Um, Can you please make that the pullout quote so I can tweet that? Real estate flushes the toilet. But you Um, know, it does. 2007, 2008, it it I mean, so many nice people with Patrice. We're just talking about Patrice. I mean, she lost her home. So are you worried from that perspective? I am not personally worried for my own interest because I don't leverage myself to the hilt. I leverage myself enough where I can use the leverage as, you know, an actual tool, but not so that I can't sleep at night. There are people who will leverage as much as they can, pull out a second mortgage, and they have everything riding on this house. If you don't have a backup plan, you are going to have a disaster. And when you have a backup plan, you might never need to tap into it, but it's nice that it's there. And I think that uh, when the sky is falling, the problems that you experience are inversely proportionate to how much money you have in the bank. You have a lot of money in the bank. You have like a half a week with vacancy. You have no money in the bank. Everybody leaves your house. They They trash them and then you can't find anybody else. So you're just scrambling to pay your mortgage. If you can't afford a rental for at least six months with no renter, you have no business owning that rental. That being unprepared causes panic. Yeah. Sure. Well, it just reminds me of something a friend told me when you're talking about how bad things happen when you're unprepared. I find that whenever I'm late, that's the time when everybody drives really slow. And then my friend Hal back in Texarkana told me, he said, that's not the case at all. The only time you're paying attention is when you're late. So then you think everybody's driving slow. So the bad things happen to us all the time. But if we're prepared, it just kind of is like water into who cares. But to your point, you're not prepared. All of a sudden it feels like the world comes caving down. Yeah. And you have to make snap decisions when you're not prepared. When you have like, oh, I'm going to lose my house. I'll just sell it. But you have to sell it at a loss because you have to sell it right away. And it's just, it's this like never-ending circle, cycle, never-ending, I guess a circle doesn't ever end. Yes. Never-ending cycle of bad decisions once you, you know, aren't prepared to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that compounding negative effect, isn't it? Reinforcement. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. No trivia from Doug today, and we are recording this from the basement separately because OG has a cautionary tale leading into Labor Day. We'll take you back to the floor podcast movement here in just a couple of minutes. But OG, last year, your party didn't go the way that you hoped it would. You thought that all the frugal people, all, all of our frugal fire friends would come out if you organized the party correctly. Right. The thing is that it was kind of my first time. And because I'm not generally the frugal guy. So, you know, we're usually highfalutin water slides and that sort of stuff. If you're trying to fit Um, in with the fire crowd. But yeah, I wanted to be one with the people. Sure. Yes. I thought you made a lot of great gestures to reach out to the community. Generally wasn't accepted. And uh, well, let's go through these. We got the top five here. Mm -hmm. Number five. Yeah. Apparently, when you use quotation marks to describe chicken, people see right through that. I mean, it really wasn't chicken. It was chicken. Yeah, I did. Marks. I did. I was surprised that that was pretty much everybody. Nobody wanted your main course. I didn't know that you're supposed to take the skin off the squirrel. I've never cooked it before, but my dad said it tasted like chicken. So that's what I went with. 
And it was a lot easier to get because they're just out on the road in well, random places. And armadillo. You're not supposed to eat those. Everybody knows that. Oh, <laughs> that was that was my mistake. Number four. So I thought that BYOB meant you are in charge of bringing the barbecue, the actual grill. So it was a little awkward when no one brought that. I figured if I put it on every invitation that everybody would bring some sort of grilling device. No one brought one at all. So we just had lots of beer. Lots, lots and lots of beer. And that was so frustrating because, um, well, I thought that... It's hard to cook chicken if it, nobody brings a barbecue. If, if you're trying to be frugal, BYOB is bring your own barbecue. That's Come on. Or your own yeah. cheese sandwich. Cheese sandwich. You know that's borderline child abuse. It is. Yes. Borderline. Number three. I was harking back to my earlier days of having to start fires in the woods without any equipment whatsoever. So I was thinking about how to be ultra conservative with our budget and not needlessly spend on things that were terribly unnecessary, like matches, because they're so expensive. The per unit cost in those things are ridiculous at Costco. So I thought about trying to start a fire with that magnesium stick. Do you remember that? Yeah. It it didn't. It took the, it, the, the it YouTube took all videos make it look a lot easier than it actually is. Well, and then when you brought out the magnifying glass later with the with we the, didn't uh, have any fire newspaper. We didn't have fire. We didn't have a barbecue, and all we had was chicken. Just a bunch of dead squirrels. So far, laying next to the grill and crap loads of beer. But there wasn't a grill. They're all lined up like on the patio. No, you're right. Because yeah. you were going to be able to pick your own. That was it. Was going to be one of those like a fire party Brazilian steakhouse. Yeah. But all you get is chicken. Just, just chicken. Yes. Yeah. Would you care for more chicken? Uh, turned over to red. <laughs> Good. I just keep it on red the whole time. I'm not putting it on green. Let's talk about the games you played. Because you then tried to play a game with all these drunk people and that went south. Number two. So on the game front, I thought it would be helpful to combine activities that help you know, everybody in this case would help me. Um, because I recently fired my lawn crew because it's super expensive. And I was trying to be, again, more conscious about how I spent money. So it had been a long time since we mowed the grass or planted flowers. And so one of the games, again, air quotes, that we were going to play was called Get the Weed from My Garden. It wasn't exactly what everybody thought. Yeah, they kind of misinterpreted that. Everybody went crazy at first. Yeah, it, it was going to be the highlight for me. It was the highlight of what was going to happen because then it meant I didn't have to do it. But everybody else thought it was going to be their also their highlight, and then it wasn't because when I started handing out like you know yard gloves, which weren't really gloves, they're like those plastic ones that you can get in bulk. You know. Yeah, when people are yelling, "Where's the paper?" and you're handing yeah. out yard gloves. Yeah, I'm like, no, no, no. We have to pull weeds. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that. And then the number one reason your first attempt at a fire Labor Day party went south. Number one. Again, just trying to save money and do this the right way. We were, again, walking through Costco and saw that they had wine for $10 a bottle, which is ridiculous. So I decided to buy one of those normal size boxes of, you know, you, know you get, when you go to Costco, they give you a box. I just filled it with all the grapes they had. And I thought that we could just make our own wine. And so I put it all like I had like a swimming tub, like a kid's swimming pool and it's plastic ones. I put all the grapes in there. At first people thought it was just kind of a really large fruit bowl that only had grapes. And I could see their point. Right. Like, what the hell are all these grapes doing there? Yeah. I mean, it was just full of, um, like, a kid's swimming pool. And then I took my shoes off and said, come on, guys. Let's make some wine. (laughs) (laughs) And it was pretty awkward six minutes, I'd say, where I was kind of dancing around and Most people were pretty disappointed that 
well, there wasn't any real wine. Well, and uh, apparently you thought that that would like once you squeezed it out there that 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 would make wine right away. And uh, according to Dave Falchuk, that's it takes a little longer. Yeah, it was pretty frustrating. I mean, it also would have helped to not have everybody put their feet in it because nobody really wanted to drink it after. Especially after the uh, weed incident, yeah. the flower. I mean, there's just yeah. just a lot of feet. I mean, even if we would have been successful in making all of that into wine, I'm pretty sure nobody would have wanted to drink it. It would have been like, isn't what, that a great? Isn't that like one of the top Bordeaux wines, though? Chateau Lafitte. I thought that's how they. That's exactly what that is. I, that's I what I was going for. Actually, that's how they do. It. Yeah. Mm. Chateau La OG feet. It's delicious. The Chate- 2018 vintage. Yeah, cautionary tale, people. Cautionary tale. All right. Today's episode, by the way, brought to you by Acre Trader. Acre Trader is the place if you want to grow grapes in a field, or if you know a farmer who grows grapes in a field, you don't do any of the growing. You are not the farmer. You just own some of the land. What happens at Acre Trader is they take this field that you can't afford to buy on your own. Instead, they divide it into little pieces and you own a little piece of the field. The great thing about Acre Trader is they deal with the farmer, they collect the rent, and as the landlord, all you have to do is collect the rent. They also deal with the farmer to make sure the soil stays sustainable, and they work with making sure that the field is always rented. So once again, you don't have to be a farmer You're just a landlord. And if you look historically at farmland, the reason why so many institutional investors have gotten into this in the last 10 years is because of the fact that it's an incredibly boring investment. Farmland's going away at a rapid rate. And because of that, and because of the fact that it works a lot differently and systematically than either residential real estate or commercial real estate, Uh, There hasn't been historically as much fluctuation. You still want to look into it. You still want to do your homework. But if you're like me and you're somebody who grew up in farm territory, I think you understand where I'm coming from, that for the right investor, this might be the boring investment for your portfolio. Two things. Number one, you have to be an accredited investor to get in. That's a different show. So go look up accredited investor to see if that's you. And then number two is, remember, you're buying part of a field. So this is money that's going to be locked up until Acre Trader sells that field at a date in the future. So all of that stuff means do your homework ahead of time. Here's where you go to tell them that we set you. Head to acretrader.com forward slash SB. That's acretrader.com forward slash SB for more. All right. Let's take you back to the floor of podcast movement where I was having an awesome conversation. With Lacey Langford, Mindy Jensen, and our new Australian friend, Glenn James. Well, let's talk then, sir, about uh, your millennial audience. What are they talking to you about right now? Yeah, it's it's funny. Like you asked about the stock market uh, for maybe a more mature audience. Uh, millennials, on balance, they want to establish their life, and generally speaking, the biggest struggles that they've got is probably personal cash flow and day-to-day money management. Also, with the new micro-investing platforms that are out there and they hear their friends are investing and investing is sexy, they want to also invest. So there's this dance between, I've got to pay off some debt from another life, but I also want to invest. And I can't keep saving money because I keep spending it. So it goes back to a cash flow problem. So that's kind of the round and round circular thing that we see it's like i've got a good income i've got goals let's try and save for those for those goals i want to invest oh but i'm in debt and it just keeps going around and around and i I think a lot of it i always say have a strategy however small and if that strategy is for the next six months i'm only doing this then i'll do that and then flow into that so, yeah, but where does that strategy start? You're a financial advisor. What do you start with? Yeah, it's, it's got to be the foundation. It's got to be cleaning up your bad debt, any debt that you've got that isn't one tax deductible or two back behind an asset that's growing. And three, uh, the second thing is if you don't know how much it costs you to exist, that's the first problem. So everybody comes to a financial advisor, oh, I want to invest, I want to do sexy stuff. That's cute, but how much can you save a year? If we don't know that, we've got to work on that. 
I'm laughing because when I was a financial advisor a decade ago and before, it was the same thing. Yeah. Everybody comes in. Let's talk about investments. Let's talk about your budget and building a cash reserve. And you can see them go, oh, no. Yeah. So I, I take people through, if you can, let's go on a journey. You want to go on a journey? Oh, boy. Yeah. Picture this. It's a house, okay? On the roof of the house, and I'm doing the YMCA T thing or whatever. No, it's a upside down V. Yes. That house is your investing. It might be your property, your share portfolio, okay? People come to the financial advisor wanting to do the sexy stuff, which is the roof of the house. The middle bit of the house, so like the square, if it was me drawing it, with the bricks and the windows, they're all your goals. So it might be, we want to start a business, we want to pay off the mortgage, we want to put the kids through college, we might want to get a helicopter license. The slab of the house is our... We call it superannuation in Australia or retirement savings, which in Australia, you get a compulsory 9.5% into super. So basically, if you've got a job in Australia, you've got super. So under the house, I draw four foundations. The first one, debt-free and cash reserve. The second foundation, a good spending plan. The third foundation, your protection plan. So you might have your disability insurances, your life insurances. And the fourth foundation is the wills and the estate plan. Yeah. So the reason I developed this, because I had 31-year-old people coming into my office. Oh, I've got four houses. I still live at home. I've got a car loan. Living a total false economy. Because if something changed in their life, the roof will crumble because they've built this heavy, big roof yeah. with heavy walls with no foundation. That's a great analogy. I love that analogy. That's a journey. That's really cool. Yeah, we went yes. there. We, we, we went there. We didn't even need to eat anything cool to, to, to go there. Dude, I was there. I was yeah. at the house. <laughs> and the roof was going to fall, man. So I, He was starting a fire. He was yeah. in there like warming up. So we just got to... And you illustrate that to people because realistically, the money comes out of our cash flow. So the foundation basically produces money into the goals and also money into the roof, which is our investment. So the money can never stop. Do you use a similar analogy? Because, I mean, the stuff he's talking about, I'm watching you nod because it's similar for military people. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, everything you said there, but backing up to that cycle, I feel like the service members get in this unhealthy cycle of the deployment money. So they run up a bunch of debt, they deploy, and then pay it off. And oh. instead of actually you know, getting out of debt before you deploy... And then taking that money and investing They're running into it. debt because they know they're going to get more money in the future. They're betting on future income. Yes. And it's the, where it's going to have an epic failure is when they retire or separate from the military and you no longer have that bailout every six months to a year or two years. So it's, it is that cycle. Yeah. It, it catches up at some point. Likewise, if you do not exercise and you overeat, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You've made a lot of references in this show. I just want to... <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, but how much is personal finance correlating to personal health? I mean, it's just we all know how to get rid of this. I'm touching my beautiful food baby. I know how to get rid of this. I need to move my freaking ass and stop eating. That's we right. all know, but it's just I need to put habits and behaviors in place. You need to put effort into it. And yeah, but that's so hard. <laughs> I know. It's really hard. It's so much easier to just sit here and say, oh, yeah, I should do that. You have to make it a priority. It has to be front and center in your life. And a lot of times people have too many priorities or juggling too many things instead of getting that one right in front of you, like you said before, both of you, and handling it, doing it well, and then moving to the next one. Well, yes, talk about this, Mindy. Uh, making it a priority. Like, how do you get motivated when it's so hard to get moving? Oh, wow. I like how you direct that to me, Joe. Thanks. You know what? I have created, well, I didn't create, I joined a motivational group where Miss Mazuma and Slow Zip and Coffee and a bunch of other people are in this group where we are having a step challenge on our uh, Fitbits. And having somebody else that I have to be accountable. Accountability buddies. That's what we're called. I couldn't remember the name. Accountability buddies. Yes. That was uh, Miss Mazuma made that one I feel warm up. and fuzzy all, all so of a sudden. Nice. You want to join our group? No. We're doing it again no, that next That requires year. exercise. <laughs> no deal. But now, especially in the beginning, I had to be accountable. We have to show a screenshot of our steps from last week and I have to get at least 10,000 a day. And it's really embarrassing to post that I didn't get it. And I have missed three weeks this year 
And each one, I am filled with shame when I type in 68,000 steps. I'm like, why didn't I get those extra two? Yeah. Whatever you want to do, you are who you surround yourself with. Because yep. I didn't run hardly at all. I mean, I ran a little bit before we moved to Texas. I went to Texas surrounded by people that ran marathons. I ran 11 in 10 years. Same thing. I mean, it just all of a sudden, they're all doing it. So it became a goal and started doing it and loved it. I mean, it totally. You recently moved, Joe. Do you still run? I do run. But what's funny is I don't run as diligently and I'm trying to surround myself again, find that network of people to get back there. Because it's been easy some days to go, no, I'm taking a day off. I didn't used to take a day off. I'd do it every day. Oh, it is that's so what we easy did. to say no to running. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, not a hard choice. I, no. I, I would say following on from that, like absolutely you need an accountability. You need a community, whether it's this podcast, like your group on Facebook, Joe, like you can't change unless you've hit rock bottom. True. So I, I just filmed a new module for a course and I drew a stick figure of like a guy laying in the well or a stick figure or a gal or whatever. If that's not you, stop right now because you, you're not ready because it's not easy. Yeah. It's hard work and you've just got to surround yourself with good people who are on the same page and know that enough's enough. Actually, I, I tell people like if you are ready, Go and buy the last bloody thing on your credit card because that's it. Like, <laughs> we are done from today. Get it out of your system. We're, we're, go and do it. Go Fini- on. Finish strong. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Like OG they- says that. My co-host OG says that on this all the time. He's, he's like, well, before I lose weight, I need a starting point. Exactly. So he's like, dozen donuts. Well, it was like that. There's a, a book about giving up smoking. And apparently it's a book or a DVD or something. And you've got to light a cigarette and smoke it while you read it. Like it's, yeah, Google it. Just, just get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great, horrible place to leave it. We're going to leave it right there. (laughs) Yeah. So let's go around the table and find out what's happening where you guys live. Lacey, what's coming up at the Military Money Show? Coming up on the show, we're going to be talking about investing in the military community how you can be better at that and um, not be so fearful of the things you don't know, like the terminology, concepts. You can kind of go of your past money mistakes and not really hold hold yourself back from being able to do that. And also a lot of talk about real estate is coming up because in the military community, you're moving a lot. You have the opportunity to you know, buy homes, rent them out. There's a lot of flexibility within that market. So those are some things that we're going to be chatting about. Awesome. And Mindy, what's happening at Bigger Pockets Money? We are starting to do a few really targeted episodes. I have a girl coming on, Melissa from The Roamer. She got pregnant when she was in college. And when she went to her advisor, her advisor said, there's like, I don't know, a 0% chance of you graduating from college. You've kind of just ruined your life. Well, she didn't say it like that, but she kind of said it like that. And she's like, well no, I'm going to do it anyway. And she was, she graduated college with a little baby and she went into the, um, engineering. I think she worked at SpaceX. Don't quote me. Cause I can't remember. We haven't interviewed her yet, Yeah. <laughs> but I'm really excited about the interview because her story shows just because you have made a, and I don't want to call it a mistake because he's a lovely little boy, Sure. but you have an unexpected event happen in your life. That doesn't mean that your life is over. That doesn't mean that that is going to define you. And have you ever made a mistake, Lacey? I know, Joe, you're perfect, but you know, have you ever had a mistake and you're like, oh. My life's a mistake. <laughs> Where do I, I begin? Glenn's, Glenn's thinking it's a mistake being here today. Yeah. I mean, well, it's called brand reputation. You're not helping. <laughs> so, you know, you make these big mistakes and at the time you're making them, that's all you can see. You're the small child in a sea of, you know, six, nine guys. You're like, I can't see anything but this one thing that is all consuming in my life right now. But that's not the end of your story. That's not the end of her story. And she's now financially, not financially independent, but she's financially independent-ish where she can take mini retirements. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's a big one. We've got several... Uh, another woman is coming up. Her husband died. And now she's a single mom because this giant thing happened and that didn't derail her plans. So these I unexpected mean, it, journeys people are taking. Thank you for summing it up much it's, more succinctly pretty, than I did. <laughs> it was, it was well, more succinct. Well, he is a professional. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Whoa. Glenn. Glenn is just aiming his gun at all. You got a lot of daggers me. today. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. Should I give you a second to take your foot out of the mouth? Or, yeah, no. yeah. 
What's going on at My Millennial Money? So, it's not a professional podcast like your show. Uh, <laughs> and he's pointing at Mindy. Mindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but hey, we've got some fun episodes coming up. We've got um, Dreams, Goals and Money, Airbnb for an investment property. This is a, this is a fun one. Cashing in on that juicy inheritance. Um, careers and Money, part one, getting a new job and resume tips. Careers and Money, part two, how to ask for a pay rise. We're doing a two-part series on money and food, whether you've got no money or no time. We've got a we've got an episode about how to get out of how to get out of debt, money mindset, getting your engagement on, getting your wedding on, starting a business. We're going to go back and explain the GFC for people. We've got a lot of fun coming up. The GFC, yeah, good fried chicken. <laughs> I did not see that coming. I didn't either. <laughs> Love it. I thought it was good chicken yes no and as i say on my podcast okay bye (laughs) and that's gonna do it as as glenn runs away all right doug take it from here what should we have learned today so what should we have learned today first take some advice from lacey langford whether you're in the military or not think about different ways you can be location independent the next time you're forced to move for work you might be able to keep a second income stream going to add some stability to your wallet. Second, take some advice from Glenn James. Build your financial plan like you'd build a house. Start with a basic foundation and not just the fun investing part and you'll be much more likely to reach your goals. But the big lesson? Who let Joe go to Orlando without the rest of us? Hey, we expect a t-shirt, Joe, or at least some of that Dole Whip from Disney World. Well, that'd probably melt on the plane. But definitely the t-shirt. I want the t-shirt. Special thanks to Mindy Jensen from the Bigger Pockets Money podcast for joining us. You'll find Bigger Pockets Money wherever you're listening to this show. You'll also find Glenn James's project, My Millennial Money, wherever you're hearing this. Thanks to him for hanging out with us today. And finally, if you're in the military, be sure to check out Lacey Langford's podcast, The Military Money Show. Thanks to Lacey for her help on today's show. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just noticed it's just as dark and damp down here as Joe's soul. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. And lastly, thanks to Joe's mom for sending Joe out of the basement for the day. He made some new friends, and everyone knows that Joe could use a friend or two. God, that guy's lonely. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. It's kind of weird doing an after show here in like a big room because people might know it exists. A little awkward. So guys, pretend like we're pretend like we're doing the regular show, not the after show. Mindy. Yes, Joe. You discovered a new emoji at Bigger Pockets headquarters. Yes, I did, Joe. And you guys, so what do you talk through? Like Slack? Is Slack. it Slack? Yeah. yeah, we use Slack. Yeah, so Slack, I mean, Slack's been a sponsor of the show, but for people that don't know Slack, it's uh, integrated um, everything, integrated messaging with different channels. Instant messaging. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, but, but you can share files, share ideas, and it's all according to what team you're on and whatever. But yes. they have emojis. They have emojis. You can make customized emojis, and they also have some like random ones that are already there. Yeah, so you find all the smiley stuff, the hearts, but then you find there's this random emoji that's a... It is an eggplant. An and I eggplant. thought, that's very funny. Why is there an eggplant there? I don't do a lot of cooking with eggplants. I don't use a lot of eggplants in my life. This is just going to be bad the whole time. Or do you? <laughs> well, the answer is she had no idea. Uh, yeah, so I thought it was funny. <laughs> do you want to give a shout out to them? <laughs> I, I took a photo of a, a, uh, a billboard the other day and there's, there's a big eggplant on there. I don't know why they've got vegetables on the billboard, but it's got grinder. But, but it caught your eye. Ca- caught my eye. When I see big eggplant, gets me going <laughs> for food, love food. Freestdcheck.org. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, people. Yes. So that actually plays into this story just a bit. Foreshadowing. Uh, So I started using this emoji as a comment whenever anybody would say something funny. Instead of putting a smile face, I would throw up an eggplant. Everybody's like, Mindy's my kind of girl. (laughs) Because it was fun and different. Because it was The new new kid at work's like, Mindy's so loose. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Mindy's so free. (laughs) And after... I will say probably 12 to 18 months of throwing up eggplants. 12 to 18 months? Yes. One of the ladies at work sent me a very private message. She said, you know what that means, don't you? I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, you know what the eggplant emoji means, don't you? And I said, it's just an eggplant. She said, no, it's not just an eggplant. Oh, no, my friend. Oh, no. (laughs) And did you ever send the eggplant with, like, water? It's like I'm washing the eggplant. No, I did not. I was, I was informed of that afterwards, but I was so embarrassed that I had been... I mean, this was on every channel and all over the place. And frankly, I can't believe that HR didn't come talk to me about it. Uh, but I said, hey, I was just informed of what eggplant really means, and I'm very sorry if I offended anybody. Like I'm a late bloomer. And, and that one <laughs> freak in the company was all of a sudden disappointed. <laughs> I did get a message from another employee, like... I just thought you were really bold. (laughs) No, I'm just really clueless. But hold on. That's not the only thing Mindy has done. Mindy was recently watching some Netflix. Uh, Joe Salcihai was on the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. And at the end of the episode, I invited him to Netflix and chill. Seems reasonable. What can yes. I say? Welcoming. Welcoming. Yeah. Yes, very welcoming. And then the episode aired. My editor did not take it out uh, because why would he? I'm inviting Joe over to my house to watch Netflix and chill out at the end of a very long week or so I thought. And then one of the guys that I work with comes into the office after having listened to the episode, which was now out for everybody in the world to hear. And he's like, you know what Netflix and chill means, right? I'm like, yeah, it means to come over to my house and like watch a movie. He's like, that's not what it means. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, you said that on that podcast today. I'm like, then he explained to me what it meant. So not much Netflix going on. Not much Netflix or chilling um, if you're doing it right, apparently. She sent me, she sent me this request to Netflix and chill with, a, with, with an eggplant. With an eggplant emoji. <laughs> Holy cow. I, I feel like you're going to get a personal session with HR. Yes. I don't know what you guys are doing off here, but... Uh. <laughs> Glenn's like, I'm staying. I am not going back to the island. So I'm going to throw my co-host, Scott Trench, under the bus. Scott Trench was filling in on the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Investing Podcast. And we have a quick tip at the beginning of every show. And the two hosts will say, quick tip. And on this particular episode, Scott did not say quick. He only said the word tip. And then afterwards, he said, oh, I came in there just the tip. <laughs> Your podcast is sounding a lot funnier. Holy cow. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to tell that one. No. The, uh, yeah. but... I don't want my dad. Steve, I don't want to. <laughs> yes. 
I'll throw my co-host under the bus from our other show, Money with Friends, Bobby Rebel. Very great woman, a fantastic co-host. We were doing a story because that show, for people that don't listen to that show, is uh, current headlines and we kind of talk about what they mean to you. And it was all about Disney has this new, you know, new subscription service to compete against Netflix and Hulu and everybody else and uh, HBO. So she, so she's on the show and uh, she said, she's like, well, the great thing about this show is now you, it's not just Netflix and chill. Now you, now you can HBO and chill, Hulu and chill, you can uh, Disney and chill. And she's going down the line. And, and all I can, I'm just trying to keep a straight face because we do that show live on video. It just Bobby has no idea what that means. Maybe Bobby and I should do a show together and we'll just Perfect double storm. entendre after double entendre the whole way through. Perfect storm. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate take a look at all the military appreciation month offers and their usual offers navy federal our members are the mission navy federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender